welcome back. You're watching Traders Corner and joining me as always is Garth McKenzie, founder and editor of Traders Corner. Garth, welcome. Hi, Julieta. Garth, if we start off talking about the S&P 500, it seems that the rally that we have enjoyed over the past few weeks has been cut short, and that primarily as a result of what's happening to the FANG stocks namely Facebook. Yeah, specifically Facebook that came out with earnings that missed estimates. The revenue line was a bit soft and the outlook was also a little bit soft last week. And that saw the share price of Facebook dropping 20% on the session. So, you know, that's a, that's a big miss. And, and the quantum of the loss was, I think it was $120 billion. And that is uh, a new all-time record in history in terms of the amount of money being lost by a single company in a single day. Mm. So that's, that's quite a remarkable stat. And I read somewhere that it was equivalent to the GDP of Morocco. That's how much Facebook's market cap declined in one day. Which is, I mean, partly a reflection of how lofty the levels it had got to anyway were perhaps somewhat exaggerated. So... Potentially. And I mean, that brings us into a question around all of the FANG stocks, obviously FANG being Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. Um, those are your, your FANG stocks. And it's become an acronym for all these, basically these tech stocks that have really led the US market higher. And some of their valuations are quite stretched. And it has been a very much a, um, a theme and a fad that has been aggressively chased higher. And we know that often those types of situations uh, are not sustainable in the long run and they I inevitably blow off at some stage and then you see a massive correction. And there's a lot of questions now being asked about those tech stocks uh, following Facebook's drop last week and, and Twitter also saw quite a meaningful drop on the back of that. And the questions are now being asked as to whether this is now sort of the, the canary in the coal mine for, the, um, for this FANG rally and whether you're going to see these tech stocks actually starting to come off yeah. and consolidate a bit after this massive gains that we've seen over the last couple of years. I mean, so what does that mean for the general index of the S&P 500? Because actually it was the FANG stocks that picked up the S&P 500. It's not sort of a broader constituent base. That That's correct. I mean, when I look at the S&P 500 stocks, when I, every week I look at the to all the 100 stocks in the S&P 100. And I can tell you just from looking at them each week that the vast majority of them actually don't look all that great. But when you look at the, the big tech stocks and those that have such a heavy weighting in the S&P 500 and in the NASDAQ as well, it's clear that those tech stocks are what have been driving this rally in the US market. But there's not a huge amount of breadth down below. So it is a little bit concerning in terms of the health of the overall market. In terms of the S&P 500 over here, what is evident is that I've been going on about this gap up at uh, 2850, which was formed in January yeah. of this year before we saw that massive sell-off that occurred in the beginning of February. And I've said all along now that for the last four months, really, this market has been climbing and you can see higher lows and higher highs since April uh, within that upward sloping channel. And I've said that it looks quite feasible that it's going to go up and target that January gap and then we would see what happens from there. Now you can see it traded into that gap area close to 2850 uh, last week and it's now begun to sell off a little bit and uh, that sell off as you indicated was mainly driven by the decline in the tech stocks. Uh, but it's interesting that it's happened at the technical level that it has. It's mm -hmm. at the upper boundary of that black upward sloping channel. And it does look as if we're now embarking on a period of consolidation in the S&P 500 here, which I suspect may go on for a few more weeks. And also remember that uh, August is often a, uh, a quieter, choppy sort of a month. 
just due to the fact that that really is the peak of the Northern Hemisphere summer. And we often find that market activity during that month is somewhat muted. Uh, so given that and given the technical setup as I see it here, you know, I can't get all that excited about the markets for August. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some choppy consolidation, no. consolidation type activity in the weeks ahead. And I imagine uh, that will be the same for our market. We, uh, we are really choppy and going nowhere, and uh, that will probably just exaggerate what we're experiencing on the top 40. Yes, that's it. So we've been going sideways within this broad range between 49,000 up to 52,500 on the top 40 future. And uh, we now have a range within that range. You can see the smaller range there between 50,150 up to about 51,400. So it's been oscillating up and down within that range over the last week or two. There is still a gap up here at 51,800. And I, I pointed out previously that that actually formed a, an island reversal. That's where you get a gap to the upside and then a, very soon thereafter a gap to the downside. And there's a piece of tr the trading activity that's actually broken away from the rest of the chart that makes it look like an island mm -hmm. and hence the name island reversal. And those are quite rare uh, and, and they often do mark quite significant reversals. In this case, it was a pretty significant reversal. We saw a big sell off thereafter. But for the time being, we stuck in that narrow range, this, this range within a range over here effectively. If we get above 51,400, then I think it's feasible that we go up and try and fill that gap at the upper, upper level, 51,800, and maybe even make an effort to go up to the top of the bigger range. But on the other hand, if we fail and we turn lower, um, then maybe back to 50,150. And if that fails, back to 49,000. So mm -hmm. really, it's 50-50 you know, at this stage. You can take your pick. It's not a particularly exciting environment to be trading. Uh, and it's, it's just it's choppy. And I don't yeah. really see that changing too much in the immediate future. Which is a good thing for us because we don't trade Aussie futures. Um, so we trade uh, mostly individual shares, um, certainly this year. Um, let's have a look at some of the stocks that you've taken positions in recently. And the one was a short uh, in Telcom. How's that worked out? Are you still in that short? Uh, we've taken profits on it this week now. So if we have a look at why I did the trade, there was this large head and shoulders pattern that had formed between March and June of this year. It broke down below the neckline of that pattern on the move below 51 Rand. And then it had a throwback to the underside of that neckline. You can see the move back up to 51 Rand per share there. And th it was at that point that I decided to initiate a short trade for another leg to the downside. Yeah. So we went short on 1,600 CFDs at 50 Rand and 40 cents. I used a stop loss at 52 Rand. Now my, my target ultimately was going to be for a move down to 45. And it's possible that it may still get there. But as I've mentioned on many occasions on this show over the, over the last, last couple of weeks, what I found has been working quite well is when you've got a decent profit, when you've got 60, 70% of the way to your target price, just take that profit, bank it and move on. Mm. And, and that's worked well for us on the last couple of trades. Uh, and I've done the same here. So we went and we, we bought back the short at 47 Rand 60, which meant that we made a profit after cost of 4,160 Rand. So, you know, it's nice to do this and just keep the profit ticker moving forwards. Yeah. Uh, and if you string a couple of these together, like we've done here and like we did previously with the Netcare trade as well, you know, you start adding these together back to back, they actually start to become quite meaningful in the portfolio. Yeah. Okay. So collectively, um, it looks good. Individually, it's not a absolutely blow your socks off kind of trade but uh yeah I mean, you, you know i like my cricketing analogy so i guess yeah we're just hitting singles but we're yeah. consistently hitting them yeah and that's been helping
Goss, um, then moving on to this week's trade, it is um, a position in oil, which you did actually flag last week, a short position. Uh, and have you used the offshore portfolio to enact this? I have. We haven't been very active on our offshore portfolio for a while, so it's time we actually did a little bit of something on that portfolio. So I've decided to follow up last week's analysis with an actual trade this week in Brent crude oil. Okay. The chart here goes back just over a year, and what's evident here is that this very well-defined upward trend on the price of Brent crude oil has now broken to the downside. You can see how it joins all the low points since June last year, throughout February, March last year, June again this year. It's now broken below that uptrend in July. And what appears to be happening now is we're getting a throwback to the underside of that prior upward trend, which now should act as resistance. If we zoom in on the charts a little bit more recently and look at the recent trading action over the last six months here. What you can see quite clearly, there's the trend break that I spoke about mm -hmm. in, in early July. And now we've had a, th a throwback to the underside of that upward trend. It's also where the underside of the 50-day moving average comes in. That's that blue line over there. So my expectation is that we probably see the price of oil running into resistance here. It should battle to, to make any significant gains from this point on, I believe. And I won't be surprised if we see a reversal here and a move to the downside. So on the back of that, I've decided to go short on the price of brand crude oil. You do this via futures contracts. Okay. So I've, uh, it's, a, it's basically a CFD on a future. So a little bit complex, but it's not, not really that complex. But essentially, um, I'm trading a CFD on the November futures here. And okay. November, believe it or not, expires at the end of September. So go figure. But um, it's, it's expiry at the end of September for delivery in November. I've gone short at $75.50 per barrel with a stop loss of 78.50 and I'm looking for a move down here towards $70 maybe $69 effectively down towards the 200 day moving average here okay. that's the the red line and it currently comes in at $69 per barrel and I think that's where we potentially could go on uh, on brand crude from here so talk us through that the mechanics in greater detail also because um, have you preempted a reversal I have in this case yes I have preempted a reversal which may be taking a bit of risk but the, the thing is, I'd also ideally try and get in at a point where I believe my risk to reward ratio is, is reasonable. Yeah. Um, the trouble with this sometimes is that if you wait for a reversal, then the reversal can gobble up a lot of your potential profit, and then you end up with a poor risk to reward ratio. Yeah. So I've tried to sort of finesse and, and time an entry here. Okay. We've traded uh, a short position on the November Brent, Brent crude futures, as I mentioned, with expiry on 28th September. Um, the short at $75.50 per barrel, the stop loss at $78.50, risk per barrel of oil therefore effectively is $3 per barrel. Um, I'm risking $312 here. Now that works out at around about 2% of, uh, of our offshore capital. We've got $15,600 at our disposal, so 2% 2, 2 of that is $312 per, per, um, of, of risk. Dividing $312 divided by $3, that me leaves me with 104 barrels of oil that I can effectively okay. short. Now, the futures contracts here work in lots of 100 barrels. So I can't do 104 barrels. I can do 100 barrels, or I can do 200 barrels. But okay, I can't so do anything in between, so I've rounded it. So we, we're effectively short of 100 barrels of oil here, which is one futures contract. The target, I'm looking at $70, which means that my risk to reward ratio here is 1 to 1.83. 
Okay, so that's the trade this week. Uh, and finally, a little bit of action, as I said, on the offshore portfolio. Garth, um, I know before we sort of sum up and have a look at what the portfolios have, uh, have done, uh, you're keeping an eye on Capitec this week. Why? Yeah, it's just something to watch for the rest of this week, and it's potentially a trade we might look at doing during the course of the week ahead. Um, it's Capitec, and what I like about this is the fact that it's formed this very large base since February and has now begun to break up above this overhead resistance area at about 920 Rand per share. And that is quite meaningful from a technical perspective. If it can hold above there, and if it can hold above the 200-day moving average here, then I suspect what we might be seeing here right now is the beginning of a, a consolidation like a bull flag or a falling wedge or something. I mean, we'll see what it looks like over the week ahead. But if, if the price begins to pull back into that support zone and reverses up from there, then I would look to be a buyer for a potential another move to the upside. And you've titled it the Viceroy Gap. So the yeah. point at which uh, Viceroy's report came out on Capitec saying that they should be placed into curatorship immediately, mm. um, a report I think that a lot of people have found very, very flawed. Yeah. Um, so would that be the target if, if there is a break? It, it would. So there's actually a gap there from January at 1,025 Rand. That was where the share price gapped down very aggressively following that Viceroy report. And as you've indicated, it was... Um, Extremely well, well, yeah, and extremely opportunistic on the part of Viceroy. They're short sellers, and, um, and 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 largely everything that they've put into that report is inaccurate. And I think their reputation sits in tatters now. So gradually, I think there's potential that this share price does recover and back up towards that gap. Notwithstanding the fact that it looks fairly overbought, actually, on the stochastic It, it is, but you'll often find that when a share price breaks out, it is often overbought when it breaks out. So that's not entirely unusual to see that. Okay. So, Garth, what do the portfolios look like? It has been fairly active, especially yes. on the local front. On the local front, we've closed out that telecom trade with a nice profit there of 4,160 rand. So you can see we're up 17.5% on the South African portfolio. No open positions here at the moment, but obviously we are watching Capitec for the rest of the week. And then offshore, we've just got this trade on Brent crude oil where we short $100, 100 barrels of crude from 75.50, so we watch that closely. Yeah, and we have to leave it there. And just a reminder to viewers, they can get a weekly alert on your website. Garth, thanks as always for joining us. Garth McKenzie is founder and editor of Traders Corner.